0: Welcome to the Dr. Berg Healthy Keto and Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Now your host, the man taking your health to a whole new level, Dr. Eric Berg. Hey guys, I'm back with another episode. Today we're going to answer the question relating to OMAD, one meal a day. Okay, so let me just play the question right here.
1: When you're doing the one meal a day diet, what do you suggest for actually eating as far as that one meal that you would be supplying your body with nutrients daily? All
0: right, so let's dive into this one meal a day example of what you should eat. Okay, so now here's the thing. There is no way you're gonna be able to consume the same amount of calories with one meal than you would consume with three meals, unless you literally Completely and utterly stuff yourself till you're so uncomfortable. That being said, I do recommend you consume a very large meal. Okay, now if you can't consume this large meal, and I don't even like to talk about calories, because every single person is different in as far as their size of their stomach, their ability to metabolize, their ability to digest food, their stomach pH, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what I'm going to recommend you uh, go with is just the overall feeling of full. Um, You don't want to slightly get full. You want to get like pretty darn full when you do one meal a day because you're not going to eat for 23 hours. Now, if you have a a hard time doing this, simply kind of maybe break it down between like start eating the meal, take a break for a half hour and then eat the rest of the meal. If you need to do that, that's actually not a bad idea. But the point is we want to drive in as many nutrients as possible. We're trying to prevent nutritional deficiencies. So of course, the food that I want you to eat needs to be high end. Now, some of you might say, well, I can't afford it. Well, yes, you can because you're saving money on the other two meals. So you're just eating one meal a day. So that's gonna save you at least 20 bucks right there, which you can then spend on higher quality food. You really want to invest in your food, I'm telling you right now, because some people, they'll say, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and do OMAD, but I'm just gonna eat whatever I want. Well, okay, that's fine. You're eventually gonna run out of nutrients and you're gonna end up having nutritional deficiencies. and the tissues that your food is gonna replace are gonna be kind of poorly defined and kind of junky. You might even not look healthy as you do this. So might as well eat healthy with that one meal a day. Okay, so some people might consume 1,500 calories for that meal. I've had other people do 2,000. Other people can only do 1,000. So it's really up to you. You're going to have to experiment of how much food you can eat. Okay, so what are you going to eat? Well, I always recommend consuming a large amount of these things called vegetables, okay? So some people have diarrhea when they start this because they they consume... um, vegetables that they're not used to. And the microbes in the gut are not there in full quantity to break down all these fibers. So I think you'll be safe if you do have diarrhea with with foods like cucumbers, um, things like just just basically lettuce, like green lettuce. You might be okay with that. Fermented foods are another good one as well. So the goal with the vegetable is to consume large quantities and uh, seven cups uh, would be great. Personally, myself, if I'm doing one meal a day, I'm going to do 10 cups. Okay, so I like to start out the meal with the vegetables. So you start consuming the vegetables, and then once you're done with that, then what I recommend is do the protein. Now, how much protein are you going to need? Well, I definitely would do more than three ounces. Probably you're going to need eight ounces. Some people might need a little bit more. Um, Is that too much? No, it's not because you're only eating one meal a day. You're going to create a little spike of insulin. So what? You got 23 hours of no insulin spikes, okay? So that's what we're going with. So the protein is there to replace body tissue. So if you don't have enough, you end up with problems like hair loss and um, brittle nails and things like that. If you have too much, you'll feel tired after you eat. But go ahead and consume the protein and make sure that the protein that you consume has a good amount of fat in it already. Do not consume lean protein, okay, because we want the fat. Number three, the last thing you're gonna eat is fat, okay? So if, you, if your fat did not come with the protein already, you'll add fat in there, like avocado, maybe a keto bomb, which is kind of a fat cookie. You can do nuts, peanut butter. I like to end the meal myself with celery with peanut butter. Uh, Let's say you're going to do some oily hummus. You know, that could be part of your fat. Or the olive oil could be on the salad. Or you can do olives. There's a whole list of fats that I have on my website under drbergs forward slash keto. We'll give you more examples. All right. So you have the vegetables or salad, the protein, and then the fat. So at this point, it's kind of a judgment call if you're going to keep eating or stop eating. We want to get you to a point where you're feeling really nice and full, but not overly stuffed, okay? But I know in the beginning when you do this, sometimes you're going to think, oh my gosh, I'm not going to eat. I better just like force as much food. Well, go ahead and try that and see how you do. But within an hour or two, uh, that stuffed feeling is going to go away. Your body's going to get in fat burning and you can ride the wave all the way to the next day. I really... Admire people that that do one meal a day. I think it's very smart. It's very good for your brain, but it also doesn't mean that you should eat junk, eat high quality food with this pretty strict intermittent fasting plan. All right, we're gonna answer a question about something very interesting, and I think it's a common confusion that a lot of people have, and it's related to protein and insulin. So here's the question. Hello, doctor. I um the protein and the insulinogenic thing. I actually wanted to ask you about that. Um this is something people always tell me to be wary of when eating a keto diet and I just love to hear your take on it. And perhaps you've answered it in
1: another podcast. But essentially
0: it's the idea that obviously sugar or carbs
1: you could say um trigger
0: an insulin response. People also say that fat and protein are highly insulinogenic.
1: What do you make of that? Um it, there's a danger in having like a high amount of any of these foods. Is like
0: I don't really know how to model that in my head correct. They're just saying all of the macronutrients are insulogenic, so therefore you should just eat smaller meals. Does that mean intermittent fasting is actually a stupid idea? Okay, so let's dive in and answer that question. There's actually three macronutrients, okay? You have carbs, proteins, and fats. You also have micronutrients, which are vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, amino acids, okay, things like that but the macros are influenced by insulin differently, okay? Out of carbs, proteins, and fats, carbs have the greatest influence from insulin, okay? So when you eat carbs, refined sugars, breads, starches, you name it, you're gonna spike insulin the most, okay? Number two, let's talk about protein. It is true that protein will also trigger insulin but not nearly as strong as sugar. And really only if you consume large amounts and if you combine protein with sugar, because that'll be exaggerated. You'll have an exaggerated spike. That being said, now we come to the topic of fat. Does fat trigger insulin? Well, I don't know if you've heard of the glycemic index, which is the index of all the foods that can spike your blood sugars. So things high on the glycemic index would be like jelly beans and crackers and cookies and things like that. Things low on the glycemic index would be like celery because it's not sweet. Okay, so that makes sense, right? Well, there's also something called the insulin index as well. Now, what is that? That is all the non-carbohydrate foods that have the potential to increase insulin. So whereas the glycemic index will trigger blood sugars, the insulin index will trigger insulin, okay? So I've done videos on this, but here's the interesting fact about the insulin index. Out of all the macros, fat, pure fat, has the least effect from insulin, okay? So insulin will trigger fat the least. Carbohydrates are the most, then protein, especially in large amounts, and then fat. So in my charts, uh, which you can actually go to my website and download it, and also on YouTube, we have like an insulin index, or, or messenger for that matter, um, you'll, you'll be able to see very low on the scale, you'll have like butter, coconut oil, and things like that. And then you have things very high in the scale, which would be low fat proteins. Now, this is interesting. So the fattier the protein, the more fat in that protein food, the less insulin spike it will have. So if you consume foods that are extremely lean protein, low-fat protein, like in protein power, whey protein, that's very high on the glycemic index. So you really want to be able to think with this whole picture and, and understand that Does protein trigger insulin? Well, it depends how much fat's in it. If you're consuming the fattiest protein, like, um, I don't know, something like a fatty piece of meat or hamburger, or even pork, that has a lesser effect on insulin than whey protein powder. That being said, there's one more confusion that people have, and that has to do with the frequency of when you eat. Because in the book, Guyton's Physiology, he lists all the things that can trigger insulin. And guess what? Eating, in general, will trigger insulin. So every time you eat, you trigger insulin, regardless of what it is, regardless if it's a carb, protein, or fat. So I think that's the missing piece for people because they're just looking at the glycemic index and they're not really looking at this or that. So you have the type of macro and then you have the frequency of foods. So then people will say, well, why don't you just kind of consume small amounts of food throughout the day? Well, why would you want to consume multiple small meals throughout the day to keep spiking insulin? No, no, we want to do intermittent fasting. That will instantly lower insulin, okay? And we want to consume a moderate amount of protein, not too much, not hardly any at all, because we need some insulin. And the other thing is that protein's gonna give us the building blocks to replace our body tissues, including the muscle, your connective tissue, your ligaments, uh, a lot of your body is made out of protein. And the same thing with fat. Fat's gonna replace a lot of body parts, but it can also be used as fuel. Protein can be used as fuel, okay? Carbs are used exclusively as fuel. But the big point is we wanna consume carbohydrates in the form of vegetables and not as grains, refined carbs, and things that will turn into sugar pretty fast. So I know this is a long-winded answer to a short question, but I really wanted you to get the full scoop on the effect of insulin on protein and other macros. Okay, today we're gonna answer another question. Okay, let's play it here.
1: Dr. Berg, I just wanted to say I find your YouTube and your anchor segments really, really informative. I'm a type two diabetic, Um, I'm working on getting Into ketosis, I don't have my diet straight yet. I'm working on gathering the information so that I can make the correct choices. And I just want to say, um, I just want my diabetes to turn around and to get rid of this pot belly, you know. And it's like so many of my relatives have suffered from heart disease and diabetes. And I'm 45 and I have a seven month old daughter and a 10 year old daughter that I got to take care of. And you know, I just want to say that you're your episodes really touch my conscience and I really do pay attention. And a lot of my doctors argue with what you're saying, but I'm like, you know what, if modern American medicine is doing what it is today, then I'd rather listen to someone else that's saying something different. So I appreciate your stuff.
0: All right. So thank you so much for your question. Let's just dive in to this topic on diabetes. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I'm just going to tell you there is no other diet that would even come close to healthy ketosis and intermittent fasting for diabetes. And on, on that note, I want to give you a little disclaimer. Um, anything that I say in this episode is not meant to diagnose you or treat any conditioned disease. All I'm telling you is that you need to research what I'm about to tell you and then get with your doctor and come up with a plan that you can actually attempt this because I think it can greatly help balance healthy blood sugars. All right, that being said, why does healthy keto and intermittent fasting influence diabetes? First of all, what is diabetes? Diabetes is a disease of too much sugar. There's two types. There's type two, and there's type one. Type one is a condition where you actually run out of insulin, okay? Well, if you run out of insulin, what's gonna happen with the blood sugars? Well, you no longer have any control over the blood sugar, so it's gonna go higher, higher, and higher. Now, with diabetes type two, you have a slightly different situation. Instead of the pancreas running out of insulin, which it eventually will, before that, you're gonna actually have the cells throughout the body stop absorbing insulin, and that's called insulin resistance. So your body says, no, I'm ignoring you, okay? So guess what? Your pancreas just produces more insulin. It pumps out more and more and more insulin until eventually it burns out. But here's the problem. Even though a person has five to seven times more insulin in a fasting than a normal person that is healthy, the insulin is not working. It can't work. So it's ineffective. So guess what's gonna happen to the blood sugars? It's gonna go high. One side note, the damage, from high insulin is even a little worse than the damage from high sugar, high blood sugar. So they're both damaging. Okay, so we don't want high insulin and we don't want high sugar. All right, so what will be the goal? The goal is not to treat the disease. It's to consume foods and do things that decrease the need for so much insulin. Okay, so number one, healthy ketosis. What is ketosis about? It's really about one thing, it's dropping your carbohydrates. What does that do? It forces your body to burn your fat as fuel. Burning your fat as fuel is called ketosis, and also you're gonna burn other fats too, like fatty acids, but you're also gonna burn ketones. A ketone is very interesting because it's it, it's protective on your cells, especially the brain cells. It's more efficient fuel gives you more energy per unit of mass. It increases your oxygen. It decreases the waste in your body. So it's a much more efficient, better fuel. You'll think more clearly when you're in ketosis. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to drop your carbs. But the cool thing is you're going to replace them, especially in the beginning, with fat. That way you're not going to be hungry. And there's a bunch of recipes you can find on my website for that. So healthy ketosis is about dropping your carbs. It's about replacing them with fat. So you're going to eat more fat. So you're going to feel really satisfied. And then third thing is you're going to have protein in moderate amounts. Okay, it's not a high protein diet. It's a moderate three to six ounces. The other thing that I highly recommend you do connected with this, especially if you have diabetes type one or two, is to do intermittent fasting which basically is a lesser frequency of eating why because every time you eat you trigger insulin and so by not eating so frequently you take a huge stress off of this pancreas that's constantly working extra hard day and night okay so intermittent fasting is very 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 powerful so this idea that you need seven small meals a day to prevent hunger is Baloney! It's not true. It's actually bad advice. You want to do three meals a day, no snacks. Then you want to drop out the breakfast if you're not hungry and do it slowly. And then start squeezing your lunch and your dinner together closer and closer to the point where it's only like four hours. This is going to be very, very therapeutic to your pancreas and the cells of the pancreas. So realize that you're in a, a stuck between a rock and a hard place if you're a diabetic because you have the damage, and then your body is so used to these carbohydrates. You're going to have to completely adapt and switch your body over to burning fat, which is going to take a process. Could take a week to two weeks to up to eight weeks to do this. So give it time. So we have number one the changing of the fuel, and then we also have the making up of the damage in the in the actual pancreas. To do that, you're going to have to enhance your diet with certain supplements. One really important one is called benfotamine. Benfotamine is a fat-soluble B1 vitamin that you can get from the health store. Very, very important if you're diabetic to help speed things up. I mean, that's just one of many things. Get a food-based vitamin C. That's also really important with a diabetic because high levels of insulin deplete vitamin C. Yeah, not good. The other thing you need to take is something called nutritional yeast. That'll give you all the B vitamins that you need in addition to the B1. So I just wanted to mention there are things that you should take in addition to the foods to actually heal some of the damage. Another one would be an electrolyte powder, high in potassium. Why? Because you need the minerals to actually help insulin resistance. And that's gonna be really important, especially in type two diabetes, okay? All right, guys. So I hope that gave you some good tips on that question. Have a great day, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Hey, guys. I just want to let you know I have my new keto course just came out. It's a mini course. It covers all the basics and how to do it correctly. You can get through this in probably 20 minutes at the very most. So if you're interested, click the link below and get signed up now.